Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The Utah Legislature concluded its 2020 session on Thursday. We're going to recap the session today with a special focus on issues important to people in rural Utah. We'll also talk about COVID-19 and coronavirus. We're asking you how you're doing. How is all of this affecting you? These are extraordinary times. We'd love to hear from you. What are the top issues where you live? You can email us right now to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. And we hope you'll join us uh, during the program. Our guests uh, right now include Representative Christine Watkins, Republican from uh, Price. Representative Watkins, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. Uh, we also bring in Senator Lyle Hilliard, Republican uh, from Logan. Senator Hilliard, welcome back to the program. I'm glad to be there. And uh, you're joining us by phone, social distancing, which is good. <laughs> yeah. I only live about four blocks from you, but I, right. I have my phone. Yes, well, we appreciate that, and that's probably good good for you as well. Uh, later in the program, we'll be uh, hearing from Representative Darren Owens, Republican from Fountain Green, and Senator Evan Vickers, Republican from uh, Cedar City. Uh, listeners, if you hear a uh, kind of a, a common theme here, all of our guests, Republicans, uh, that's, that's because our original focus here was uh, rural Utah, and rural Utah tends to be representative in the legislature by Republicans, urban areas, more, more Democrats. Um, but I want to start, uh, Representative Watkins, I want to start with COVID-19 and coronavirus. That's what everybody's talking about. That's what we're all thinking about. Just an extraordinary experience. On a top of mind for you there in Price, what, uh, what are people saying? Well, um, we're not talking to each other much. <laughs> everybody's home and um, we're texting, uh, Facebook, posts. Uh, I just got a post uh, this morning about uh, you went to Daggett and Duchesne, and I, I represent most of Duchesne, and they've got a travel advisory for them. So, um, you know, most people have just kind of hunkered down and uh, staying home. Uh, how, and for me at least, and I think for a lot of people, is it was strange, <laughs> different, not not to well, go not know, to go normally, to church yesterday yeah go ahead normally after the legislature you have all these appointments or people want you to come and and speak to them and by i think saturday morning everything that i had scheduled was canceled yeah so so then what do you do you got a lot of time in your hands year old grandson so uh i'm keeping him busy fed and uh it actually because i have to move up to salt lake for those seven weeks uh, it takes me uh, a couple of days to get everything put back w- where it should be. So I've been busy doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you, you have to move back and forth. Now now back, I guess, settled in, in price. Um, Senator Hilliard, what, what, just, just top of mind, what's, what's, <laughs> this is affecting all of our lives. Yeah, I have the same thing that Christine talked about. But let me say, I have a really great advantage. I have a huge garden. And it's got a lot of work to do in it, and I can do that. <laughs> You're oh. not around people, so I plan on spending as much time as I can this week uh, without rain or storm of getting my garden ready for this coming summer. That, that is an advantage. Yeah. Do you That's can... what we do. We have two mm-hmm. and a half acres, and after winter, it needs to be cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if, if you're, uh, uh, I'll direct this first to Representative Watkins, I don't know if your church was uh, canceled. It was very, very strange to... For me to not go to, not be with people at church. 
yesterday. Right. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there was a church in the whole area um, that held any kind of services. Um, uh, our our bishop reached out and asked if anybody wanted sacrament, and and but that was through texting. And so we've actually, uh, I think, all of the churches have been notifying notifying members and saying, you know, we're not holding church. If you have needs, let us know. Uh, it, it's been a really, um, I would say, heartwarming uh, experience because everyone is reaching out through social media uh, to make sure that uh, their needs are being met. Senator Hilliard, is, is that how you're reaching out, social media? What, how do you, because we're, we're social people, right? We, we, li- we like to be with people, and now we're supposed to have social distancing. Well, uh, I have some things I'm going to have to do, so I'm going to have to leave the house sometime today and run some errands and do some things. But uh, my wife has given me a good supply of sanitation, uh, <laughs> supply for my hands, and I'll be careful where I go and, and uh, not really overdo it. But uh, there's just things I just have to get done, so I'm going to have to be out a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's some things you, you absolutely have to do. And, um, you know, for example, here at USU, the... Students are, are online, but, uh, you know, regular offices like UPR are, are open for business and just trying to do the best we can. Uh, Representative Watkins, are you concerned about the economy there in Carbon County with, with all of this? Well, we've been concerned about our economy for a long time. So um, this, uh, uh, th- we don't have the huge uh, base of stores um, like maybe... Uh, the urban areas do. Uh, obviously, we have coal mining, we have oil and gas mining, and um, so you don't have large groups of people together. Uh, I know that as of yesterday, restaurants were still open, but um, uh, I, I ran in town to give a friend a ride, and um, none of them had more than a couple of cars in front of them. So uh, I, I think we'll what will affect us is the overall uh, economy in the state. But as far as local, uh, I think we, I hope we can weather this storm. And, and like um, Senator Hilliard said, people do have to go out and do things, but you'll just keep that, that distance and take your hand sanitizer. But we just, you know, if you go shopping here, it's Walmart and, and, uh, and Smiths, and they have maybe been shortened their hours of operation. So, and all the toilet paper's gone, so there's no big mm-hmm. need to rush right in. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't get it with the toilet paper. That's that's the uh, first thing people go either. to, I guess. Uh, so, Representative Watkins, uh, you uh, here in Logan, uh, there have been you know runs on not only toilet paper. Uh, I went to a, a local marketplace here a few days ago, and in the evening, all the potatoes were gone. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other some of the uh, milk was almost gone. Uh, some of the other things were bread was was pretty much cleared out. Have you, have you seen runs like that? We've uh, the only one, and I've I've been to several of the grocery stores uh, just picking up a prescription, or my grandson and I went shopping for for clothes actually for him. But uh, the, the paper towels and uh, toilet paper were all gone. Plenty of milk, plenty of um, vegetables and fruits, and, and um, the large bags of cold cereal were gone. But the normal boxes that you can buy, were, were, there was 
there were plenty of those. Uh, and I will say that actually that run on toilet paper didn't even happen until sometime this last week because mm-hmm. I dropped by the store on my way uh, back up Sunday to go to the legislature and everything was fine. So um, maybe we were a little bit behind the curve. Um, I, I always have plenty on hand, so I haven't done any <laughs> panic buying. And um, so uh, other than that, I mean, I have a sister that lives up north, and she said, I can't buy milk, I can't buy butter, uh, et cetera. And I said, oh, I just bought milk, and there was plenty. And so I, maybe it's just because we're a smaller community and and I don't know, maybe a little bit more prepared, but the only thing I've seen that was just totally gone was toilet paper. Mm. Senator Hillier, do you, have you have you seen runs at the the store like that? And and I guess a follow up question: Are you worried about economic effects from all of this? Well, let me say first of all, I've not seen runs like this. I will just add, I went to the local market and I was surprised. Not only no potatoes, but there was most of the vegetables were gone, and most of the pasta was well, all the pasta was gone, and all of the salad dressings were gone. Holy cow. But let me say about the economy. I'm really concerned about that. Not only the small businesses, and many of them go day by day. I mean, to be closed down for a week is a death knell to some of our smaller businesses. So I think it's really, really important that we do what we can to continue to support them because uh, they're going to be hardest hit. I stayed during the session at Little America, and near the end of the session, my wife and I got in in late about 8.30 from the session, ran downstairs to the coffee shop, and I was surprised. Normally, it's really quite crowded. There were only about five of us in there. I was talking to the waitress, and she said two big conventions they had scheduled for Little America that weekend, last weekend, had been canceled. And I think when you talk about the economic development in Utah of having general conference canceled, that that brings thousands Mm -hmm. of people into our area who stay and buy food at the grocery stores and all that. I think you're going to see a real impact of just that, and that's going to be a pretty big impact because we rely so much across the state on tourism. Uh, Senator Hilliard, I don't know what we can do. I've, I've been thinking, my wife and I have had a goal of not eating out as much and you know, trying to save some money, but uh, I personally have kind of had the feeling of you know, thinking about those workers, of maybe I ought to eat, eat out more and, and do what I can in a very, very small way for the economy. Well, I think we... You know, my wife made a comment the other day that I think is really good. We're going to make a sizable donation to the food bank. I think uh, that's some things we can do to help people get food. But I think uh, we just need to be concerned about these businesses. Even if we go in and give them $10 or $20 uh, and, and not stay, just because they need money to keep going themselves. It's, it's a, a thing not only for our personal safety, but our whole community. It's a very important part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned the food bank. Uh, I know the the latest food drive has been postponed, but uh, people can still donate to the food bank personally. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we are talking with Representative Christine Watkins from uh, Price and Senator Lyle Hillier from Logan. We now bring on uh, Representative Darren Owens, who's a Republican uh, from Fountain Green, representing uh, Juab and uh, San Pete counties. Representative Owens? That's correct. That's correct. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, for coming on. We're our focus, uh, we will get to this later in the hour, of uh, legislative focus and rural issues, uh, but we're starting uh, because we're all just, uh, you know, um, being affected by coronavirus and COVID-19. So I want to start with you uh, on this as you join us now, Representative Owens. 
uh, what's top of mind for you and in, in, in your community there in, in San Pete County? What what are people talking about with, with coronavirus? Well, uh, I think the further you get away from the, the populace there on the Wasatch Front, the less we are affected, but still all of our schools are um, are not functioning at this point. They'll be all online. So that transition's underway, and that, that's having a big effect on our uh, rural folks and, um, you know, with the parents having uh, having their children at home, that's kind of causing some little bit of chaos. Uh, yeah, especially uh, the school affects everybody, right? Uh, so that that's going to have a big effect on the communities. Right, and, it, and it's the right thing to do to try to get on top of this uh, coronavirus. I, I think it's wise uh, if we can keep our young people the to keep from congregating, and and uh, we have locked down on all of the, the assisted living homes. Uh, just the workers are going in there, so it's definitely felt statewide. Do you have concerns about the economy there in in San Pete and Juab counties with uh, as this you know social distancing uh, continues? Well, you know it's not going to affect us quite as much because the economy here is. Uh, it's not anywhere close to the same as what it is on the Wasatch Front. Um, one thing to speak to that, in San Pete County this past year, we, um, from the Department of Workforce Services, indicated we grouped 13 jobs. So this economy here is, isn't going to be as affected except for those folks who have jobs that travel outside of our county to work. Mm. I want to direct this to Representative Watkins, uh, and then everybody can can uh, comment as, as they will. Uh, there was a story on uh, Morning Edition uh, NPR this morning uh, talking about how uh, coronavirus may hit rural towns uh, later, uh, you know, maybe a delay because uh, the kind of a natural protection in, in some rural towns, n- n- people not as close together, Um and they they have a, they gave this extraordinary example that I hadn't heard about before. Uh, during an epidemic of pandemic of Spanish flu, Gunnison, Colorado, closed their borders, and were able to for a, for several months and for a time they were able to to keep out the flu. And then when they lifted the uh, you know the the, the border, um, then the flu came in. Representative Watkins, I don't know if that's. So you know, I'm no governments are not considering this, and I, probably Carbon County is not going to do this. But is that something that uh, you'd be tempted to do? You know, the rural area. Let's let's keep it out of our particular place. Well, you know, if we if we needed to, uh, that is obviously something we could do. Uh, but we're 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 like uh, Representative Owens' area. A lot of times. You're not here unless you need to be. <laughs> uh, uh, now, well, you have the Highway 6 that, that goes by, but, uh, you know, we, I, I, I've, I've been reading the book about that Spanish influenza, and it was, a, it was certainly a different time and a different place, but um, we, I, I don't know. Uh, that. <laughs> I'd have to see what Representative Owen says about his area, but I think it would be really hard because so much commerce goes through our area. We just have semi after semi, so um, that would be pretty tricky. 
Would, uh, would that be even impractical in in, uh, in San Pete and Juab counties, Representative We're not suggesting we're to do uh, this, of course. But. Yeah, no, and I, I don't see it as in practicality, especially Juab County. I-15 runs is the corridor to California, Nevada, Arizona. Um, but the the smaller gatherings, the uh, the virus is going to get into every community, I believe, in the country. The trick is to try to, as we're doing now, to take every measure to slow it so that it doesn't overwhelm our health care system. And I think as we get on top of it and we can uh, approach it that way, then we'll, we'll be okay, slow it down, and then hopefully it will react to the warmer weather this spring and, and uh, really subside. Representative Owens, uh, this story also talked about vulnerabilities in rural areas, uh, the health care system is smaller, uh, less capacity. Uh, do you, uh, do you, you and uh, you up in San Pete counties have worries uh, that way? Yeah, no question about that. And um, you, you have less capacity and a lot further distance to, uh, to health care services. You know, we don't have hospitals in every community. So in, in all of San Pete County, we have two, one in Mount Pleasant, one down in Gunnison. So there's, there's some distance involved just to getting there. Um, we do have clinics in most of the smaller communities, uh, which could be overrun pretty easily if it was a fast outbreak. Mm-hmm. Representative Watkins, I, I assume that maybe similar concerns are in Carbon County and Duchesne County. Yeah, yeah, we all have at least one hospital, and I'm on the board of our hospital here in Price, and we're actually as a board meeting tomorrow, but our hospital's been on it. They already have... Uh, staff that can, can suit up with the protective wear, and they have already done testing, drive-through testing on people. So far, no one has tested positive. But we, um, I know rural hospitals may be small, but they're really good, and they prepare all the time for emergency-type situations. So I've received numerous um communications from our CEO, and they're on it, and uh, they're as prepared as, as they can possibly be. Mm. Um, Senator Hilliard, I wonder about uh, the, the role of government here. Of course, we, you know, the, the state of Utah has the task force, and we, uh, they've, they've been working hard on this. Uh, I wonder about economically, if, if this gets, economic effects get worse, um, is there a role for the state government? Well, we do some, some Pretty marvelous things in health and social services we do. You see right now the publicity, that work is being done. If suddenly we are overwhelmed, one of the real challenges we have in the state of Utah, and I'm talking now like a budget guy, is that we have so little general fund money that's coming in because of the way we change our spending. And general fund is what has to be spent for it. Our surpluses are all in income tax. And under the Constitution, we have to spend that for education, higher and uh, public education. So we may be sitting in a situation that we don't have any money in the general fund to help fund these. We found $15 million during the session to help do it, but the surpluses we have are all in income tax. So that's kind of a structural silo problem we have in Utah, but I think we would do what we had to do. If we had to cut budgets elsewhere in general fund to move money over, uh, human life is by far the most important thing we need to deal with. Uh, by the way, just parenthetically, I'd, uh, I was reading, uh, I don't know the, how this ever ended up in the session, uh, uh, looked like maybe a compromise being formed about uh, changes to the Constitution to free up uh, 
provide more flexibility. That, that's true. There was an agreement made between legislative leaders and the education community. We're going to put on the ballot this November to, to changing the Constitution so the income tax money can be used not only for public and higher education, but also for children and disability issues. And that would free up some money that we're now using general fund money. There's general fund money that could be used for health and human services. But we've got a long ways to go on our tax reform issue, and I think everybody's waiting to see who the new governor is come November and then get into it again as to what we can do either dramatically or piecemeal so we can undo this imbalance that we have. Mm. Now, if that were to pass and, and to free up that uh, you know money from income tax, uh, would that solve the issue, or would there still need to be more tax reform uh, uh, measures happen? That's only half. Of, yeah, it, more would have to be done. We have to do something to shore up our base for sales tax anyway. Sales tax is growing, but not nearly as fast as our population. And as our population grows, so does the issues of health you mentioned about, health and human services, roads, clean air, all of those things are uh, paid for by general fund, and, and we certainly haven't solved those yet. Hmm. Uh, open up the phone lines here, well, the email, because uh, we have uh, our guests uh, on the phone. We're going to add Senator Vickers here shortly, um, and so we'll encourage you to uh, join the program by email at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We're curious uh, what the issues are important in your community in general and with COVID-19 and coronavirus. How are you doing? How is all this affecting you? Uh, what are the top issues where you live? We're talking this morning with Senator Lyle Hilliard from Logan, Representative Christine Watkins from Price, and Representative Darren Owens from Fountain Green, and uh, Senator Vickers from uh, Cedar City will be joining us uh, shortly. We'll take a break when we come back more, and then we'll, uh, with coronavirus and COVID-19, we'll make a transition to uh, issues at the legislature that passed that were important to people in rural Utah, and, and then just uh, issues in general that are on the minds of these legislators and you in rural Utah. More following this. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members. And Devour Utah, a monthly magazine devoted to covering Utah's dining and drink scene, with a spotlight on cooking, local happenings, and libations. Available at newsstands or online at devourutah.com. Utah Public Radio is responsible radio, and to do our part to support USU's efforts to reduce the spread of COVID-19, we are limiting our community outreach events. And while you won't see us out and about, you can be assured you will hear us right here every single day. Listen where you are, at home, on upr.org, or through our UPR app. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll traverse many of the original seven Celtic nations and venture beyond for lilting Celtic melodies from Africa, Italy, Canada, and Spain. I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join me for Celtic Around the World, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Join us Friday night at 10 here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about uh, COVID-19, coronavirus. We're getting into talking about the Utah legislature, which concluded on Thursday. Uh, issues important to people in rural Utah is the focus of the uh, the program today. 
And we're talking with Senator Lyle Hilliard from Logan, Representative Christine Watkins from Price, Representative Darren Owens from Fountain Green, and soon Senator Evan Vickers, a Republican from Cedar City, will be joining us. I want to uh, make a transition now. We'll uh, throw this open to listeners. Anything you'd like to talk about? Love to hear uh, how things are going where you live, especially with uh, social distancing, all these measures uh, to help uh, slow the spread of uh, COVID-19, coronavirus. Uh, how is that affecting you? Um, how was it yesterday not going to church? Many churches uh, closed down, will be for the next uh, while. Uh, we're encouraged not to get together. Many events have been canceled, NBA season suspended, uh, NHL, a delay of Major League Baseball. So a lot of events that we you know, were used to getting together for these things uh, will be we closed down schools, K through 12, uh, and universities as well. It's, it's uh, changing how we're living. Love to know how this is affecting you. So upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com is the, uh, the place to uh, to comment or ask a question. Uh, so I want to come to uh, Representative Darren Owens first from in, there in Fountain Green. Um, before we get to, into the legislature, um, are, I, I imagine community events are being closed down there in San Pete and Juab counties as well, are they? Yes, for sure. Um, back to... Uh, you mentioned that I'm just pulling into an Ephraim to Snow College and in the parking lot here, and it's pretty bare, very few vehicles. Uh, and it's challenging for these young people who uh, are invested in their education and and uh, social life. It, it's a sacrifice on everybody's part, but uh, I see that people are honoring it and doing their best, I'm sure, across the state entirely to, to help get on top of this coronavirus. Mm. Uh, so the, the K-12 schools, are that's what, two or three weeks, uh, right? And that's probably maybe the biggest factor of families, right? That's uh, you got the kids home, and and then that, that has a ripple effect on employment and, and so forth and so on. Uh, Representative uh, Owens, I think you, do you work for school district? I, I spent 26 years in, in public education, and now I actually work here at Snow College. So Okay. Yes, in, in the education system. My wife is a public school teacher, so she's at work today with no students. And it, and it will have uh, quite a, a ripple effect. Uh, fortunately, right now, with the timing, this will also fall in place with the regularly scheduled spring break. So that might even help us uh, further to, to stop the uh, mm-hmm. spread of the virus. Yeah, I guess just like uh, the college and universities, uh, like here at uh, USU and, and UPR, uh, school district officials, their uh, um, teachers, they're still they're still at work. Yes, they're they're still at work. My my wife there normally she has a, a number. Of, uh, she's a special education teacher, and so she's close proximity working with these young kids. And um, so, without having them there, that'll uh, certainly slow that. But but then there's other challenges as how she can uh, deliver services to these families um, through other means, online or packets. The schools still are open to um, not to come into the schools, but to pick up the, the lunches. I know our schools are still doing that, so the children can still be fed each day. Mm-hmm. We do have uh, Senator Evan Vickers, a Republican from Cedar City, who's joining us. Senator Vickers, thanks for joining us. Uh, going well, going well. Um, 
different. Um, we're <laughs> so I'm gonna get to. I've been asking our original focus for the program was uh, you know the legislation affecting people in rural Utah and, and issues in general for rural Utah. We'll be getting to that, but we're this is all affecting all of our lives, and so we're we're talking right now about uh, COVID nineteen and and uh, coronavirus. Uh, I want to ask you they're they're in Cedar City. Um, what's top of mind? What are people talking about with regard to this? Where they can buy toilet paper, meat. Different. Even heard dog foods being rationed. Um, it's kind of yeah. people. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to watch people when they feel a little bit of a panic mode. Um, I'm from a medical professional standpoint. Uh, the symptoms are, you know, quite mild. The ones that do get the cases. The the, the, the average age of the death is 81. And the average age of those that are hospitalized go over 70. And if you look at the curve, you know, there's, you know, basically what you're looking at is elderly compromised patients who are the ones that are most at risk. But, uh, and I hope that we don't, I hope we have something to go back to. I hope we don't completely destroy the economy by the time we're done. Mm-hmm. But uh, everybody's anxious. And, you know, and we even turned, so I'm a pharmacist and we have, we own three pharmacies, and people are even trying to hoard medications. The good thing there is that the suppliers have actually starting to begin uh, rationing medications based on allocations. So what they do is, when we order medications, uh, they'll they'll limit, they'll allocate to us based on historic use. So people just need to be reasonable and rational, and understand that uh, we probably can't give them a year's supply of everything they want, and. Uh, so that that's one component that we're facing, you know, up close and personal right now. So, uh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about people rationing uh, medications, but that's uh, I imagine there some people are rationing everything. Uh, I hadn't thought about dog food either, but I guess you're seeing runs on that as well. Um, so you mentioned panic, and that you certainly you're, you're seeing some of that emotion around. Uh, how do we counteract that? Do you think? needs to come across uh, to people with, to, to be prudent um, you know make take precautions take you know the, the recommended precautions you know social distancing and and keeping your hands clean and avoiding touching your faces uh, if you do have the specific symptoms um, then you know go get tested I certainly wouldn't uh, panic if you feel like you're coming down with something you know just go, go get it treated there are some indications right now that have that there are some anti-malarial medications that uh, can treat the virus and stop the replication of the virus. There's also a company in San Diego that has been quickly producing, starting to work on a vaccine. They feel like they're going to be ready to go fairly quickly with a vaccine. So there's there's certainly movement to abreast. I've talked to our health officials over the weekend that are kind of in charge of what's going on, and their message is the same. You know. You know, be careful and prudent, but don't quit living and don't uh, be irrational about things. Uh, but do take take the necessary precautions. And as we move forward, we'll find you know find solutions. And it, it is true that as you look at the countries that didn't take you know aggressive actions up front, you know they're starting to see a lot more community spread, and and that's the challenge. And we're starting to see a little bit of that in in Utah, the community spread, and so we have to try to minimize that. I think Dr. Good, who's with the University of Utah, he's the Dean of the College of Medicine and also the head of their 
health system during the press conference last Thursday, if you listen to him, I, and I'd recommend you go back and listen to him, because what he talked about is a normal flu cycle is, you know, starts up in the fall, starts slowly, pretty much when school starts, and then uh, peaks, you know, about midwinter, and then tapers off, and quite frankly, by mid-April, it's, it's over. And this cycle, this, uh, this virus seems to peak a little quicker. It's maybe not even as severe as some, some forms of flu, but it does peak quicker. And so the, the precautions that are being recommended, the social distancing, distancing and other things, um, can hope, hopefully slow down that cycle so it doesn't overwhelm the healthcare system. And, that, and I think that's a good message, you know, that the precautions are being recommended and taken. Uh, that's that's the goal is to try to, to to slow that down so that it doesn't infect everybody all at once so that you can have uh, the healthcare system can be able to be able to take care of people. Uh, one more question right now, Senator Vickers. Uh, you, you expressed concern about the economy. Um, we talked about this a little bit uh, before you joined us as well. Um, you, you know, with social distancing, we want to you know flatten that curve so the healthcare system doesn't get overwhelmed here. Uh, but a balance with going about our regular lives. Uh, so I wonder if you talk a little bit about that. How how to make sure the economy keeps going and and how to how to strike that balance. You know, and that's a challenge right now. Obviously, anything to do with tourism is in Utah, and we're we have a, a big segment of our economy is driven by tourism is going to be damaged, uh, and we're not going to see those European visitors and Asian visitors like we typically do. Especially here in southern Utah, where I where I am at, you know, we have Bryce Canyon and Zion, and both of those parks see an awful lot of foreign visitors. We're not going to be seeing that. Um, so I think some of that can be replaced by local visitors and maybe regional visitors. But let's you know, let's face it, that that driven that tourism driven economy is going to suffer. I know that I was talking to some friends of mine over at Ruby's Ruby's Inn, and they they're already seeing 20, 25 percent uh, cancellations and those types of things. So airlines are going to suffer. Uh, gen in general, the general fund, which is the one in Utah which we're most worried about, is going to take a big hit. And with that, then income tax as well. So the, the budget that we just uh, put through in the legislative session, and if, you, if Senator Hillier's still on there, he knows this well, is that, quite frankly, money that we were allocating, we may never see. So there's a good chance that we'll have to go back into a special session in the mid midsummer and make some adjustments to that budget. Hmm. Uh, let me turn uh, just a couple more questions on coronavirus and COVID-19, then we'll get into legislative session uh, as we advertised. Uh, so Representative Watkins, I wondered, this is an interesting question that uh, Senator Vickers brings up. And I'm sure you're dealing with this and then talking to friends about this. How, how, how do we strike that balance? You know, keep the social distance uh, try to be good citizens, uh, flatten that curve, um, but but go on with our regular lives. Well, um, I, to say that you're going to go on with your regular life is is uh, a, a bit of a stretch uh, because you're not going to be, you know, there you're not going to take your kids to scouts. You're not going to be going to, to church where a lot of people do socializing. Um, but um, I think the fact that we have social media helps us stay in contact with each other. And, and obviously, you're going to have to go to the store um, if someone gets sick. To, I mean, we're still going to get colds or, 
uh, other kind of illnesses and that you're going to go to the doctor and they'll obviously they'll figure out how to keep us apart from each other but uh, i i think what i tell when i'm talking to people uh, the 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 news in general has been so good at keeping us updated as to to where the areas are that people uh, have tested positive and so uh, we know we don't have anyone here yet so it's a little more comfortable to go out and about uh, but if we hear that we have someone that has come down with it it's in our area I think that's when we'll, we'll really be serious about staying staying home uh, I, you know, we're talking about schools our, our school buses are driving out to their normal uh, pick-up and drop-off spots, and they're, they're delivering food to children. So uh, if you're out at your bus stop in the morning and at noon uh, with a parent, you can get food. And, of course, you can maybe do a little socializing with the bus driver um, and neighbors while you're out there. But uh, I, I think we just have to be, be smart depending on the area that you live in. Yeah, yeah, well said, uh, S- Senator Hilliard. You um, have same question. I mean, you'll you'll be spending more time in your garden. You say, um, w- w- what would you say about that? Uh, that balance, life balance. You know, uh, we're social animals. We enjoy being around people most, and I think the experience of, of that will be cur- curtailed. But I think uh, uh, the social media. I, I jokingly said to my wife, uh, "I'd like to sit down and watch a good baseball game on TV." And she says, sorry, they're not on anymore. Uh, you know, that, that really kind of changes your whole lifestyle. But I, I think we're waiting for the all-clear signal, and I don't know if that will ever really be given on a specific day. I think people just get to the point that they're not hearing much about it, and so they'll cautiously start to socialize and mingle more. And, and uh, hope, hopefully I agree, uh, as the weather gets warmer and the flu season gets less, I think hopefully uh, this summer, and that'll give them time again to work on medications. That when we get cold again and the flu season comes back, that we'll have we'll be better prepared for it. Uh, let's uh, we turn to Representative uh, Owens. Just uh, the the same question, then we'll get into some legislative stuff. Um, so that 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 balance. Um, how do, how do we achieve that balance where where you are? Yeah, I appreciate the question, and um, I agree with. Senator Hilliard about us being social animals. We like that. After we uh, just completed the 45-day session, I think legislators are ready to be isolated for a little bit. Yeah, right. Get our breath back. But um, You know, it almost seems like a, a little turn back, nod back to our past, and we need to look for other ways of entertainment. We, uh, As we evolved, I, I missed the, the NCAA March Madness and the baseball, as I said, and we're just going to need to adjust for a while. I don't think this is going to be uh, six months in the making, but uh, and and then be respectful of uh, not shaking hands. Everybody's on the same page. That's not disrespectful. It's actually being respectful now for a while and and just adjust to those things for social distance. Mm. Well, let me start with you, Representative Bowens, on the legislature. Would any, anything come out of the legislative session that's especially important to people in in your area, rural areas? We had, uh, we had a good legislative session, and first and foremost, the reason we go there is to balance the budget, and Utah just does such a good job with that. Um, these two senators that are on with us are in leadership and have been amazing with uh, 
aging process. So we we will walk away. I, I would imagine with this uh, virus come issues, we'll be back in a special session looking at possible cuts in the budget, and maybe in July or so. But we'll see how things develop. For me, uh, education uh, is always a, a big thing on my mind, and I think we made some great gains this year. Six uh, percent on the WPU for public education is just uh, is remarkable, and. Uh, and I really like the forward thinking of uh, putting $75 million away for education stabilization fund. And uh, this goes on to the ballot. It's not a removal of the earmark. It's actually just a little expansion of the earmark to use income tax for uh, a few other things for children and disabilities. So that's a move forward in our stabilization. I think it helps get rid of the valleys and peaks that have been in education for so long and sometimes have to be backfilled with general education or general funds. So I thought that was a big move for, for us to get to that um, after the, the signature gathering and referendum. So um, I'm excited to see where that takes us. For my area, we're still working on an intergenerational poverty plan. We have extended uh, the sunset of that now, so there's a three-year extension. Um, and there's another uh, number of other things. Biggest in rural Utah, I think, um, the heaviest lift I had this year was in emergency medical services. Um, it's been lacking, especially this is actually true across the country, but we put some legs under this this session, and we will have five uh, medical technicians that will now be out in the five regions throughout the state, uh, out in the tourist areas and out in rural Utah, who will... Uh, work with the EMS directors in their areas, and we provided uh, $3 million in appropriations for that to get the lights back under our rural EMS. So those are a couple of major things I think affect rural Utah. All right. Uh, we're overdue for a break. Let's take a break, and then I want to uh, recap the session with uh, uh, our other guests as well. Uh, we have on us with us Senator Evan Vickers from Cedar City, Representative Christine Watkins from Price, and Senator Lyle Hilliard from Logan, along with Representative Darren Owens from uh, Fountain Green. Uh, and uh, we have a uh, question, comment from Tom and Vernal we'll get on as uh, well. Uh, more following this break. On the next Radio Lab. He died in Ross's arms and he was surrounded by the people that loved him. A grieving mother tracks down her baby's donated organs. I used to think the universe treated people the way it should, and now I don't really believe that. And she finds solace in the most unexpected places. There are kind people in the world, and science and medicine has something to do with that. Gray's Donation on the next Radio Lab. Tomorrow morning at 10 here on Utah Public Radio. Trying to figure out what's true about COVID-19 can be daunting and confusing. Who's most at risk? How should your family prepare? I'm Carrie Miller, and this week I'm hosting two national call-in shows with experts from some of our most trusted medical institutions, including Mayo Clinic. Join us for COVID-19, hard questions, real answers. Join us for these live programs Wednesday and Thursday at noon each day here on Utah Public Radio. Hi, I'm Carl Berger, and I listen to Utah Public Radio anywhere in the country using the UPR app.
Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams, we are talking about, now we're making transition, talking about the legislative session, which ended on Thursday, and uh, treatment of issues important to people in rural Utah. We've spent most of the hour talking about what's on our minds, which is uh, COVID-19 and coronavirus. And uh, we are talking with Senator Lyle Hilliard from Logan, Representative Christine Watkins from Price, Representative Darren Owens from Fountain Green, and Senator Evan Vickers from uh, Cedar City. Um, Senator Vickers, I wonder if I could address this question to you, and then uh, others can chime in uh, if they uh, if they would like. Uh, so, uh, Tom in Vernal uh, called, and uh, here here are his thoughts. He said he he thought he just heard a couple of statements he found misleading. He thought he heard that the virus had already peaked. I don't know if anybody on the program said that. He and he said that we have no idea if it's peaked or when it will peak. He also thought he heard uh, something about how there are protective agents we can use against it and said to his knowledge we have no such thing. So he just caught these two statements, so he may have misheard, wanted to say uh, something. So, uh, Senator Vickers. uh, It it certainly hasn't peaked yet. Uh, What I I alluded to was Dr. Good's statement uh, in the press conference talking about a normal flu cycle will start early in the fall, about the time school starts, it'll gradually ramp up, it'll peak midwinter and then die off. Uh, this virus is peaking a little later. It's it started a little later than the uh, traditional flu virus. It's peaking quicker and, and spiking more. What I was saying is the social distancing and some of the precautions that are being taken and the cleanliness and those types of things can help slow that peak so it stays in a more uh, traditional model so that it doesn't overwhelm the health system. And uh, I also, this, this is new information that's just come out over the weekend that uh, they have been doing some experiments with some antimalarial medications that do stop the replication of the virus, and they're looking at implementing uh, ways to get that medication to certain critical patients, not everybody that's going to need this, patients, vector. They're looking at uh, categorizing based on color. You know, black means you, know, you need to get in the hospital. You got shortness of breath and at rest, and you need to be taken care of. Red is, you know, where you have a fever for four plus days and either shortness of breath and other respiratory symptoms. That's where, you know, hydrochloroquine and the chloroquine can come into treatment and possibly be effective. And then yellow is, you know, a fever for four days plus a cough. Other respiratory symptoms may be treated with uh, the anti-malarials, but and then green is just everybody else. So that this is this is new information. This is just coming around. There is a company in San Diego that's uh, working quickly on a vaccine, and hopefully that they will be able to put that out. But the fact of the matter is, typically on a uh, you know you've seen this in the past with swine flu and other things. Usually the vaccination type uh, protocols and those things don't go into really effect until the following season. Uh, but there are some th- there are advancements, and people aren't just sitting on their hands out there. You know, scientists and others, uh, researchers, they're not just sitting on their hands. They're looking for uh, clues as to what can be used as treatments. Uh, so uh, thank you for that. Uh, Tom in, in Vernal also says about the you know any comparison between flu and COVID-19. He says we we have to be careful of that because it's the first season of COVID-19. We don't know what happens with COVID-19 as the weather warms and no idea of how it how it peaks. Well, all indications are it doesn't like heat, and so it's in so that sense it's similar to other viruses. People don't realize coronavirus has been around for a long time. 
uh, this particular strain hasn't, but coronavirus has. And so we have a, so as a general strain, we know how it reacts, and typically it doesn't like heat. So as, you know, the surmising by the scientists is that as the weather warms, it'll taper off, similar to other other types of coronavirus. Mm. Uh, Tom and Verl, thanks for that email. Hopefully we, we covered that uh, for you. Uh, we are rapidly approaching the end of the set. Se- uh, the I was going to say the session. We did have the end of the legislative session. We're ending the end of the program here. So we have five minutes, so we'll have to speed things up. Uh, we'll, uh, Senator Vickers, let's stay on you. Uh, maybe just the, the top one or two pieces of legislation, just to give you about a minute uh, on that were passed in the legislative session. Yeah, and quickly... Um, I talked to Dr. Miner from Department of Health, and just so everybody knows, these, the decision process is going to be done in two-week increments. They're going to look at it two weeks, evaluate, and move on, so that's something you may, listeners may be interested in. A couple of bills in that, uh, you know, Representative Owens mentioned his bill, 389, uh, talked about EMS, HB 280, which is Carl uh, Albrecht. Uh, Representative Albrecht talked about working with TRT and ability of money to be spent on other things in counties that have problems with uh, transportation issues and that, taking care of tourism. Um, and then Senate Bill 95, Senator Sandals' bill, working on economic development, basically pooling the money we've uh, had and allowing third through sixth class counties to use that for grant programs to drive economic development. You know, just a quick nutshell, those are some things that are important to rural Utah at least. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Representative Watkins, uh, just a, a minute or, or so, what, what are the top bills that you had your eye on? Uh, well, real quick, House Bill 129. Uh, a, a lot of people don't realize in the remote rural areas of Utah they don't have natural gas, and um, we've been working on that over the years, and I think we've fi- finally uh, finished that. And so uh, I passed this bill, and what it does is it, allows um, Dominion Energy to actually buy uh, gas lines from other companies. We have the city of Green River that, you wouldn't believe it, but they do not have natural gas. So they have hotels and restaurants that are all being run with just electricity or propane, which which is very, very expensive. We have the city of Eureka that does not have natural gas, and actually there's over 150 places in Utah that do not have natural gas, and this now allows um, uh, Dominion Energy to do what they need to do to get that natural, those natural gas lines to either purchase or um, run them themselves uh, in combination with some of these lines that they can buy. So for uh, the remote areas of rural Utah, this, this was a real big win. And we just have about a minute left. Uh, uh, Senator uh, Hilliard, uh, the top one or two bills that, that you thought were important coming out of the legislative session. Let me tell you, I chair public debt appropriations, and we did some things there that you need to know about. Number one, we solidified the funding and reach of regional service centers. All the rural districts will know what I'm talking about. We did that. Number two, we funded $5 million in transportation, which is very important to rural Utah, so their buses can have the uh, support to run. Number three, we funded more the necessary nest schools, and we added a new category of isolated schools. We found six schools that don't qualify for nests, which is necessary because it's in small schools, but they have real serious financial problems, and we'll be able to fund and help those six schools. So we're reaching out in the education community to help every kid in school, wherever you may be, have a good access to education. 
Well, we're at the end of the program. It's a fast recap, faster than we had anticipated, but I think everybody is thinking about coronavirus. and It was important and, I think, valuable to get to perspective from all of you today. Senator Hilliard, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Uh, Representative Christine Watkins from Price, thank you. Uh, my honor, thank you. Representative Darren Owens from Fountain Green, thank you so much. Yes, thanks for having us. Uh, Senator Vickers from uh, City, thank you so much. No, thanks for having us. Happy to help. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody, to Access Utah. Hi, I'm Steve Williams, host of Jazz Time here on Utah Public Radio. I hope you'll join me Sunday evenings for a journey through the world of jazz music, from ragtime to bop, from Havana to Logan, Utah. Tune in for a bit of history, commentary, the occasional interview, and of course, all that jazz. Jazz time, Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock on Utah Public Radio. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU-FM Logan, and also heard at upr.org. This award feels like a breath of fresh air. The Utah Clean Air Partnership has awarded the Clean Air Person of the Year to Utah State University scientist Seth Lyman, a research associate professor in chemistry and biochemistry. Seth Lyman is also director of Utah State University's Bingham Entrepreneurship and Energy Research Center in Vernal, Utah, where he works with community leaders and other scientists to understand and diminish air pollution.